listeners, you are listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. This is your host, Zach Gandra, and with me as always is Steve the Inimitable Gandra. How are you, Steve? I'm good. Uh, I'm are, good. You, are you doing good? Or are you doing well? I'm are you doing in, great? I'm in, 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 how do you say that? Inimitable. inimitable. You're in inimitable form? <laughs> I should know how to say that by now. You should know how to say that by now because we say it every single time we do every the show. It's kind of our time. it's kind no, of our opener. No, you say it every single time yeah. we do the show. Yeah, it's good to have uh, – I have this new app on my phone. It's a dictionary app. And literally every morning at 7.30, it goes off with a new dictionary word. I've got that app, but I never read the words are too hard for me. Yeah, I mean it would help you out. We would have so many more radio listeners if you would <laughs> actually would, do that. If I would use the app. If you would do that and raise your vocabulary a little bit. Okay. All right. I'm on it. All right, you're on it. We've got an awesome guest today. Okay, fine diner, fine diners, you're going to want to be too cluing in today if you are in any way, shape, or form in leadership uh, over, over not over, I shouldn't say over, but with people or in stewardship of, of resources of people and of human beings. Today's a show you want to clue in. Yeah, and I, I would say even um, Mark's business, of course, is fine dining. But um, when we first uh, talked to Mark and heard him talk about his people and his culture, uh, I would say – excellent culture that happens to be in the fine dining business yeah it's not not just that but uh if you're around seattle if you even know if you've ever been obviously if you listen to our show you know that that's where we're from we are talking to mr mark canlis today of canlis restaurant which is the most long-standing nicest highest rated restaurant in our state and has been I don't know. I'm 37 years old, and as long as I've been alive, I know it's been that same way. I mean, if you start searching them on the Internet, one of the most amazing things that I found recently on the Internet about Canlis Restaurant was that their parking attendant has been there for a long time because it's all valet parking. They literally have no parking lot, but they fit in. I mean, there is a parking lot, but you you just drive up, you get out, and this genius tetrises your cars in a way of amazingness that as you're – leaving the restaurant your car's already out there waiting for you you don't have to wait for it. i just it's it's crazy and people are trying to copy this and they're trying to figure out how they do it and nobody can figure it out it's it's part fabulous. of the secret sauce it's part of the secret sauce so anyways we want to introduce to you today mr mark canless with our clap track all right yeah mark we're glad you're here hey thank you it's great to be here our clap track is horrible well, that's because we don't have one. We don't have one. <laughs> there, were, there were less people clapping in the clap. Track. Yeah, that was, that was me. That was yeah, me clapping above yeah, my head like a monkey. We need to get a clap track. We got to get one. <laughs> Mark, uh, do you want to tell us the secret sauce about how the parking happens at Canlis? Well, we're going to start with the secret sauce. Yeah, let's do yeah, the secret yeah, sauce and then tell us about tell us about Canlis and the work that you do after we hear the secret sauce. All right. So everybody always wants to know how we remember to to have your car waiting for you at the end of dinner. And uh, it's actually not a secret. We tell we tell the secret all the time. Just nobody actually believes us that we're telling the truth. So I'll I'll, I'll give it a go. Essentially, Sean Michael, who's been out there for thirty one years now, this wow. year's thirty first. Uh, he just remembers, and and everyone thinks that's impossible, but it's not. It's a function of caring, and I can promise you that there's no one on the planet that cares more about your car than Sean Michael. And uh, you pull in, he looks at you, he looks at. The guest you're with, he uh, he just looks at your car and he just makes a mental note, and then they they pay attention all night. And when you come heading for the door, they go running for your car, and it makes a uh, makes for a nice finish. So here here's what I think he would if I rolled up at Canless Restaurant. Here's what here's what Sean would examine. Oh my God. <laughs> this guy inner monologue. Yeah, yeah. This guy yeah, has a beard now, that yeah. looks like a nest. <laughs> and his Volvo has 200,000 miles on it with chocolate wrappers in the back. <laughs> yeah, the only thing the only thing that would that would give him pause he'd be like this is the third one tonight. <laughs> you know, like, I got to keep them separate. That, that's going to be the trick. That's but. awesome. That is awesome. I I thought you were going to say that uh that Sean has a sixth sense, and you just need to hire somebody that's a psychic. You know, I, I wish we, I wish we could actually. I think that would make that would <laughs> a little bit easier. But it takes <laughs> it takes a long, it takes about a year to train up a, a valet. Yeah, so that's so, fabulous. Like, but secret, it is a lot of fun. It's secret cool sauce number one is have amazing people on your team. Have amazing people who care a great amount. Yeah, so that's fabulous. In fact, that's number one, two, and and six. I and think. yeah, yeah. 
So, Mark, tell us some more just about uh, Canlis, the history, the experience, the amazing okay. people, you know, about uh, the work that you do. Let's see. There. Uh, <laughs> the history, the experience, and the amazing people. Here's the thing. So um, this restaurant was started by our grandfather, uh, Peter Canlis. I run the restaurant now with my brother, Brian, and uh, we've been doing that for about 10 years. We took it over from our parents, who did it for about 30 who took it over from, obviously, my grandfather, who, who started it in 1950. So for, uh, for, what is that, 64 years, we've been um, just running a little restaurant on a hill. I mean, I guess that's, that's the story of our family, and at least for three generations. Um, before that, I had a, a great-grandfather was actually, uh, he was Greek, and um, he, he came to the country by way of Teddy Roosevelt's African safari. So he was in Egypt, and... Roosevelt, in 1909, was coming off his presidency and decided to go hunting, and they met, and he said, you can cook, why don't you come with me? So the whole family uh, got here because of that, and they opened a little restaurant in Stockton, California. My grandfather wanted it to be a fine dining place, so he ends up in Hawaii, and uh, just before the war, and right after the war, um, ended up getting into, into the food service business, so he opened a place in 1946. Wow. he came here, so... We've been doing it for for a little bit, and um, you know, slowly getting the hang of it. I think is probably a good summary, but I don't think we have it all figured out. But but uh, but we're still we're still making a go of it. So yeah. we're having fun. And then and then you're an Air Force Special Forces guy, right? I spent I spent some time in the service. Yeah, uh, in fact, a lot of us have. Um, my father was a Navy pilot. Brother was protocol of Andrews Air Force Base, and um, yeah, I was a maintenance officer down in Herbert Field, Florida. So all of us, one way or another, ended up in the service, and I think it's a pretty good place to start out. So what makes Canlis so special other than you've got almost 100 people who really, really, really care not just about satisfying customers but about human beings, period? I think well, I think, yeah, I think you I think you actually – Hit it on the head. So there's 95 staff, and we're only open six nights a week. Closed for lunch. Closed on Sunday. That's a lot of people paying attention to a few dinners. Mm. And um, I think if we've done anything right over the years, um, it's been to bring the right people in and to focus on you know, what it is that actually matters. And not just what matters to you all, the guests coming in for dinner, but to what what matters to them uh, as staff, as employees, as people who are giving us, you know, the best of their years, the the the, the middle of their day, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, as we say, and, uh, and focusing on who they're becoming as a staff. Uh, who is it that they're becoming while they're in our employment here? And We've always thought that if we could focus on that and if we could have that be uh, something that they were proud of and that we were proud of, then that would just make for a better restaurant. And I think that it's, uh, at some level, I think that you feel that as a guest. I think you notice that at the table. And um, and we have, an, we have an incredible staff. I mean, we really, I, we, I think everybody says that, but um, I'm saying it, and I really, really mean it. So yeah. uh, everybody says it, and, and that's... And, um, I think that's just testament to the fact that that's how you run a company, and at least how we try to. Well, we we want to come back to the who they're becoming piece that you just mentioned, because I know it's a critical component to the success of the culture that you built. But um, uh, tell us, in addition to this caring factor, what are some of the other components of your your vision for a culture of ethics, values, and employee engagement. I mean, what else What else is there in Mark's vision for this kind of a culture? Sure. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, we have a sort of an unusual mission statement at Canlas, and uh, I- I'll give it to you. It's, it's to live out and to grow the brand of the restaurant, the belief that we should put other people first by serving and investing in them. Or, or said shortly, it's... Um, to prove that it's worth putting other people first. And uh, my brother and I believe strongly that um, that we have an opportunity to experiment with that idea, uh, to test that hypothesis. And I think that we've been 
really fortunate to have not run the place into the ground while we were testing it. Uh, <laughs> in fact, maybe just the opposite. Um, in our own opinion, I, I think that when you're focusing on those types of things, um, I don't know, everything else seems to fall into place. So whether that's the culture of your people, or whether that's um, the response from guests, whether that's just the feel in the restaurant, um, to us, the, the mission of the restaurant being something around taking care of one another uh, is just central to who we are as people. And um, it, it's something that I want to be able to go home and, you know, my kids ask me all the time, like, Dad, what do you, what do, you do at work? You know, they want to know the, the functionality. And for the time being, they're young. You know, I, I give them easier answers. But when they're a little bit older, I want to tell them that. I want to say, you know, that's what, that's what I'm spending my time doing is um, taking care of one another and learning how to do that all the time. And so um, if we're doing that as owners and that's who we're trying to become as owners, then it's, I think it's imperative that we find people and surround ourselves with people who want to do the same thing. And, and by and large, uh, we've done that. So if that's the mission of the company, um, everyone asks us, well, how do you leave out something like profitability? And, uh, and you know, we talked about this whenever that was last week, but to us, profitability is just a rule to the game. Yeah. It's not a strategy for winning anyway. Um, and so we set that rule, and the rule says, shoot, if you, uh, if you don't make enough money, you're going to lose um, your property or your business or your people or whatever, your, your stuff. Um, but we all know that uh, but that's a moving target. And so to make it the actual aim of the company, I think, um, is, to, is to miss the point of having spent your life doing something. And so um, we get to place that role. We get to say, okay, well, here's a target. Here's what we need to do in order to sustain the company, in order to sustain our own lives. Um, but after that, it's not the strategy for winning. It, it strictly just informs us sort of where the boundaries are, you know, where is out of bounds. Yeah, so. that is fabulous. Like that's a huge, huge point. But I mean, we, we have to go. The World Cup. No one ever went when Netherlands was going in. You know, at halftime. Right. I'm sure the coach didn't say like, "Okay, the World Cup. Make sure you don't kick the ball out of bounds." Right. Like that just didn't. That speech didn't happen. I wasn't right. there. I wish I was, but uh, I'm sure it was more about strategy than than paying attention to the rules. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We got to go into our first break, guys. So I'm cutting you off. We'll be right back. We're with Mark Canlis of Canlis Restaurant. And you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list, done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies. It's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500 or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate, bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. 
You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. Hey, shoot us a question. Uh, we want to get into a conversation with you, not just over the air, but also through email. Or engage us on our website. Send us an email at asktheexperts at excellentcultures.com. And uh, any questions you have for Mark Canlis while we're with him today on the radio as well, send to that email, and we would love to respond. Uh, we are, like you said, back on uh, the air with Mark Canlis and Canlis Restaurant. Mark, there is a huge thing that you and I have in common, that I was a part of a recent hot dog stand in Seattle, Washington, that was featured on the same television show that yes. Canlis was featured on with our mutual friend, Anthony Bourdain, although I've I never think, met I him. Think, I think we shared some airtime, didn't we? We shared some airtime. Yeah, was, what a fabulous thing. I think you did thing. a better job than I did. I mean, well, frankly. The fact that it was just the stand for me that was on there and Anthony wasn't actually there. He just did a voiceover later. <laughs> but Anthony actually sat in your restaurant. He did, but he didn't He didn't talk to me. I think he like walked right past me. Did he? my brother the whole time. So no. you and I, you know, we kind of share that. We do. We kind of share the, that common bond so that he doesn't like people. Snub, as it were. Yeah. But, uh, I was stoked that we were on there anyways. You know, it's a good little piece of That's crap. Pr- have you guys been on any other TV shows? Uh, we've been on a few. Yeah. Um, no one's ever heard of them. They're pretty small-time productions. But uh, we were on on Food Networks a little bit ago on Top Chef. That was really cool. That That's right. Did they they film Top Chef in your guys' place? They, did. they filmed a whole episode here. Oh, that's wow. right. They got to be a part of the judging. That's be a pretty part cool. Of the, um, I don't know what we were doing, you know. Something. Eating eating food and watching the watching the thing happen. So, yeah. So when you hold the reputation like Canlis. Sorry, so, Steve. So was off. the show about the great chasm that exists between fine dining and street dogs? <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that make a great show? That would be <laughs> a great show. I think the show was more about Anthony Bourdain being a punk rock chef. Exactly. High rebel and uh, moving him, through Seattle at eighty miles an hour. <laughs> Wasn't he in a Tesla? He was in a Tesla. He <laughs> yeah, was driving totally. that electronic car. Yeah, totally. It really, the show was just was just yeah. Okay, so if you guys want to find it, it was a it was it was a no reservations or layover. Yeah. Uh, no reservations. No, no reserv- layover. No, Sorry, it was layover. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain's show called the layover, and uh, check it out because there's actually. Canless, Canless, and Canless's food is featured really well on that show, so that was it pretty was, awesome. It was really nice of him to include us. Yeah, Steve, I, I, I'm guessing you have a, a much, a much less entertaining but more educational. Well, you've seen me, you've watched me leaning into the mic now for the. Last I know, I keep five cutting minutes. him off. I'm like, like, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta move this. this uh, but we've been we've been doing we've been practicing our own process internally and. Uh, in our at excellent cultures, our firm and Zach is helping me be a lot more respectful with how I communicate. So now I just lean into the mic and don't say anything. But I think it. W- I think it would. Really- <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that that alone was passive. Yeah, that was that, <laughs> that was, was Seattle passive, passive that aggressive. That was passive aggressive. Okay, That's so what Seattle's so like. here's the real question: um, Is is the mission statement really prove that it's worth putting other people first? You mean have have we proved that through the mission statement? No, I mean is that really the mission statement? Oh no, that is really the mission statement. I mean, you really did any of the staff down, and and in fact, we just did orientation, and I don't know about a week ago. Really, really, we spent so- a lot of time. Yeah, in fact, we spend almost all day in orientation. We have breakfast together at nine thirty, talking through the mission and the values of the restaurant, and then uh, hearing everyone's story. Then we have lunch together, and then Mom and Dad bring them in for dinner in the restaurant on the floor. We spend all day talking about story, specifically um, our story as a company and their story, who they are. And um, if they don't understand um, what it is that we're trying to do as a family, then we're really setting them up for failure. Right, and so it's it's not just the mission statement, but it's understood and acknowledged throughout the throughout the company that that's what we're here to do. Yeah, it's so interesting. In the thirty-seven years that I've had the good fortune of coaching CEOs and executives and leaders, you know, in the field of culture, I can count on one hand, not two, one hand, the number of CEOs that I've ever interviewed that can actually recite their mission statement and. Mm. You're the second one, mm. and uh, beautiful mom, apple pie, God and country sure. mission statements, sure. but they're just <laughs> fancy stuff that's on the website, and, and of course, 
I don't know how many of your CEOs used to launch helicopters out of jungles to kill drug lords, but a mission was kind of important to us. <laughs> Probably was, not uh, many. like, well, somebody tell me what I'm here to do. Right. Because he woke me out of bed, and, uh, wow. and let's go get business done. So, no, yeah. I think it's really... I think it's really helpful um, to lay that out of the line and to have it be really clear. And, uh, and, and not just that. I mean, the mission tells you, you know, what in the world are we doing? But, but the values say, who are we to be while we're doing that, right? And so for us, that's trustworthy, generous, and other-centered. And those things, um, I, I think the mission statement is something you, that, you, that you listen, you internalize, you start to believe in, you sort of stick it down in your, in your gut. The values are things you live out day to day, and they're decisions that you have to say to yourself, okay, wait a minute, I signed up to be trustworthy, generous, and other-centered, and that's going to smack you across the face ten times a night. Like, it's just not easy. So the values are who we're aspiring to become as a company, and they answer the question, um, when all else fails, what do you want me to focus on, right? I mean, a restaurant's a stressful place. It just It is inherently, and... You know, when it all goes poorly, and believe it or not, that happens here just like it happens anywhere else. Um, the values say, okay, well, what, just, just give me one thing to focus on. And I would say to my staff, I want you to be someone who's trustworthy. I don't care if that's with the guest or with the community or with each other, but, but that to me, trust is just the foundation of relationships. And we're in a restaurant. We're in the relationship business. And we're in the business of bringing people in 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 that great tradition of hospitality and making space for them, not just a a table, but but literally making space uh, internally and trying to considering where they're coming from, considering who they are, considering their points of view, considering what sort of day they've had and trying to to make enough space that we could meet them in that place. Um, and, and it's only then that you really start serving someone, right? If we're not considering them in that way, we're, mm. we're just kind of serving ourselves. We always say, Kim, this is not a self-service restaurant. So it's, it's an important thing to be able to, to, be able to focus on um, who it is that we are as a staff. And I say to orientation, hey, look, these are the values, and um, I will probably screw them up and fail you before the night is done. Um, so it's not... It's not that we're perfect, and it's not that somebody has those values that qualifies them to work here. It's that somebody wants to become that way that qualifies them to work here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, again, we talked about this in, in, uh, in interviews. The only question that really matters in an interview is how will working at Canlis help you become who you want to become? Uh, after that, I just, I'm not quite sure what, what else. I mean, there's some, again, there, there's some rules of the game. The rules say sure. if you're going to work in the kitchen, you need to know how not to cut your fingers off with a knife. And if you're working in the front, you need to know how to smile, dress yourself, and be polite. But that, that's not a strategy for winning. So when we're hiring people and bringing them on, we're looking at who are you becoming and how will working here help you become that person. Does that make sense? It makes yeah. a huge sense. Well, what's funny is a, you, you never – I mean, we've we've done a lot of work with a lot of businesses over the last few years, and I don't think that's been a leading question on the job interview of any company we've worked with. Well, and and then yet our, our biggest challenge is first to get the CEO to know what the mission statement is, but right. uh, really living it yeah. is sure. where the rubber meets the road. And Mark, one of the things that we noticed about your business and your organization that you do so well is living it is just a ma- it's it's as natural as breathing mm-hmm. to to not just you and your leaders but to your people i mean to you know the the, the 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 car light attendant i mean he cares about people so much that he meets them one time remembers who they are and which car is theirs and acts on it and you don't did have I tell you the, did i tell you the story about my dad was, no, no, we tell us. Tell. The front, and I said, uh, I said one day, it was in the beginning, he was kind of teaching me how to run the, the front desk there. And I said, you know, Dad, I'm not very good with names. I just have a real hard time remembering them. And he looks at me totally straight-faced, and he says, well, you're not good with names because you don't care about people. He's right. Mm. And I was like, oh, hold on He's a second. so Let me right. Call my psychologist. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, you know, that's kind of, that's a little harsh. He goes, here, I'll, we're standing at the front door at the fireplace. He goes, I'll pay a million dollars for the next couple's name that walks into the front door. And 
I know my dad. He doesn't have a million bucks to, to pay me. But he made his point and was like, yeah, if you had a million bucks, absolutely, I remember. He said, yeah, it's just a function of caring. So Sean cares. He literally has spent a lifetime caring about guests. And when you, yeah. when you do that, you remember the car. You, you just do. And he practices. It's not that he's got a, you know, a, a photographic memory or, or some sort of supernatural ability. He literally just really wants to make that happen. He yeah. really wants to serve someone in that way. And nine times out of ten, or actually higher than that, he gets it right. And so, it, to me, he's a good role model for, for what all of us are supposed to do. And Brian and I, my brother and I, are in a really privileged position. We run a company, and for those who um, who get to set the rules and who get to set the strategies and who get to set the mission statement, I think there's a great onus upon us to be really careful with how we do that. And so we, you know, it's not that it's not that we're so good at living out a hard mission statement as much it is that we just looked ourselves in the face one day and said, "What are we doing?" And how do we want to spend our time? Because this is a lot of energy. You know, we have families at home, and we have our own lives. And the black uh, the restaurant is a black hole of, of you could just it'll suck as many hours as you possibly yeah. give it into it. And so, we just said, well, who do we want to become? And and why don't we try to build a company in a way that that we can do that? And so, those values, TGO, the trustworthy, generous, other centered. That's who we want to become. Those are the things that we're working on as people. And I think uh, I think it kind of gives us an advantage for remembering the values of the mission statement because it, it literally just comes out of, I think, who we're hoping to grow into. That is amazing. It's fabulous. I Anybody listening to this right now is going to want to go to excellentcultures.com and listen to this interview again because I'm just – Sitting here in the booth trying well, to take was that notes. that confusing? <laughs> no, I'm no, just saying there's so much depth it needs to what you're saying. Uh, you got to hear it over and over and over again to go, yes, especially the part about, I mean, not especially, but one of the highlights for me just came up is you don't remember their names because you don't care. Mm-hmm. And then how you, you already just explained as well. Like we spend a lot of time, even with our employees, like hearing their story. Like for me, I used to be that way as well. I was like, I couldn't remember names. But then when I paused and made myself hear someone's story, mm-hmm. their story invokes care. That mm-hmm. care then invokes me remembering their name, which, you know what I mean? It's like remembering somebody's name is like, seems like such a small deal, but it shows oh, that you care. It's the beginning of everything. You yeah. Know what I mean? It's the really beginning of a relationship. It's so, foundational. So skip the memory class, yeah. save the budget, uh, and, and just decide that you it, care. And watch The Wizard of Oz and get a freaking heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have to take a break. This is so good. Okay. Uh, we'll leave people hanging. Excellentcultures.com. You're listening to bizculturematters.whatever, I don't know. And uh, on Clay 1180, we'll be right back with Mark Canlis at Canlis Restaurant. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, 
not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back with Biz Culture Matters and Excellent Cultures with Mark Candless of the Canlis Fine Dining Restaurant. Mark, before the break. Fine dining experience. Experience. It's an experience. It's an experience in caring and proving that it's worth putting other people first. So, Mark, before before the break, you were you were telling us, you know, we were talking about, you know, this magical button called caring saves so much energy in the whole conundrum of delivering valuable customer service. If you just care, you naturally do the right things. You learn the right things. But in in kind of studying the process, you know, over the years, you read these leadership books and these management books and these techniques of management by walking around. And, you know, the boss who has disengaged employees takes lessons in walking around and shaking hands with all of the employees (laughs) when they come in and memorizing their names and memorizing their spouses and children's names and significant others and what their interests are. Uh, What a crock of junk. Uh, you know, in, 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 really, it, what, what a waste of time, sense, right? I what mean, a waste a of I mean, time. It's awesome to learn to learn your staff's wife's name. Like, I think that's a really powerful thing. Uh, like, uh, I really do. Um, but having a consultant come in and remind you that that that, that matters, that to me is, is maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of how I could say this. If you need a consultant to remind you to care about your staff, you're probably in the wrong job. Uh, yeah. You're in the wrong job. There's there's yeah. bigger problems and deeper-rooted issues that you have other than – Yeah. <laughs> you should, you should be – sabbatical. You yeah. should be serving robots <laughs> instead of people. Yeah. So, I mean, in a little bit, you know, we're, we're also – we're in a people business, right? So, yes, it's a fine dining dinner or you could call it an experience. Look, it's um, – it's three or four hours, and uh, it doesn't have to be that long. You could make it. You could do it in two. But what people are giving us, and I think this is really important to remember, is their time. And it's not any old three hours. You know, it's your daughter's only 16th birthday. That's going to happen once, right? And uh, it's the night before your wife has a baby. And, uh, you know, tomorrow they're having a C-section and... and God willing, you're going to be parents the rest of your lives. Like that's a that's a big deal. You're on the precipice of something huge, and you come here and you give us those three hours. You are trusting us with something mm. that is near and dear to your heart. Wow. And and worse, uh, more vulnerable. We're charging you for it, right? We're going to make you pay to give us those three hours. And so, for us, we really try to remember that that's what's happening. We get outside of. I don't want to downplay it. It is very important. The food is spectacular, that we be try to lead the country in cuisine and service and all these types of things. We, again, those are the rules to my particular game of fine dining, is we, we, and we have to pay attention to them. But we, we do that all day long, and then you open the doors at 5.30, and it's just to take a moment to say to yourself, okay, this is what's happening. Uh, who knows who this next person is going to be? But last night, for example, I had a man come in with his wife, and his mom, and they've flown around here. And uh, he and his wife don't have children yet, um, but want them. And his mom has terminal cancer. And so they invited her out for this weekend to video record her telling stories of her own youth and of her son's youth for their unborn children. Wow. So the dinner here was to kick that off, was to sort of say, hey, this is what we're doing this weekend. That's just not going to happen again. And yeah. if we don't start to realize that that's what we're doing, is that we are holding and cherishing that moment and keeping it precious and honoring it and, and, and really sort of um, celebrating what that thing is with the food and with the service and with the view and with the valley, well, then it's upside down. So in our business in particular, it's really important that we have people that get that. We're not making uh, computer chips over here, right? So it, it can be a company where we focus a little bit more on the emotional intelligence of a person, 
um, and on their relational skills than than another industry for sure. Mm. But I do think that in any industry, it's important to get back to okay, what is it that we're actually here for? And for us, it's to take care of and to keep safe the things that the guests bring us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a, a ton of sense. We're at a so that's pause of emotionally so trying not to cry because that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> like that's powerful. So yeah. if you, well, if, I'm a crier. If that's if that's what they're bringing us, right? Yeah. Um, there's this thing at the, the front door is called a corridor. You walk in, you kind of see it behind. And the corridor was the innermost of three. Um, it was it was like a Japanese uh, treasure house, and it was the innermost of three doors, right? So it was like the one you just couldn't get through. It was made from cypress, which in ancient Japan was kind of the hardest, most fireproof slash waterproof wood that they had, right? Pretty precious thing. Well, so in an ancient Japanese village, everyone would keep their prized possessions behind this corridor. They would all keep them in the safe house, right? In case of tsunami or whatever. Well, Mom found this thing, and she, she heard about it. She said, that's incredible. We have to, we have, to have one at Canlis because because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be safe housing or guarding, you know, what people bring us. So that it was easy growing up with that philosophy to get to the value of trustworthiness because we realized that why the reason that somebody comes to Canlis is because they trust us with that night, yeah. whatever it is. It could just be that you had a babysitter and you're getting alone time with your spouse. Like, that's sacred, right? And so yeah. it's not that it's the 50th anniversary every time, but... Um, that's how we got to that. We thought, man, this hospitality thing is not about a transaction. It is about a relationship. And if, and if our world revolves around that, then we've got to understand how we ourselves can be trustworthy. So it was a, sort of a damning revelation, but one that we're working on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lifetime, I don't know, uh, it's something we'll, I, I, we'll, we'll aspire to our whole lives. It's fabulous. I'm, I'm so glad that we had the foresight to pre-book you for a second show that will be forthcoming because we yeah. haven't even gotten to our second pre-planned question yet, and we don't <laughs> want to because there's so much depth in what we've talked about thus far. So, Mark, back to a statement you made a little earlier in the show uh, on the mission statement. You know, sure. prove that it's worth putting other people first. Sure. Do you, obviously, well, I'll just let you answer this. Do you feel like uh, you've proven it yet? Hmm. You know, that's such a good question. I believe that it is. And so for my own self, um, if tomorrow I wasn't able to work, if tomorrow this place burnt down, if tomorrow we went out of business, would my time have been well spent? That, that is actually the question that I'm always asking right? The, the time away from my wife and children, the time away from uh, another opportunity, another career, another life, uh, all the dreams that you say no to when you say yes to one of them. Um, yeah, I would tell you absolutely. I, I've encountered nothing so far that makes me think that that statement is an error. Um, I think, I think, um, we don't fully understand it yet. I think that we're not really good at it yet. I think that, um, like I said earlier, it's something that we continue to aspire to. And I also wonder about uh, the restaurant's ability to share that with other people. Uh, they're mostly thinking about the staff. So for us, it's a, it's a special privilege to be able to work with the crew that we do um, and to be able to start to engage on those types of um, questions that level of um you could say intimacy with our staff um and so i think that's i think that's yet to be um proven yet to be figured out and like i said we're enjoying the process but maybe a lifelong challenge maybe a lifelong challenge yeah and 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 i think part of it is to say Okay, yeah, it's, you could sing "Kumbaya" by the fireplace all day long, but you know, are you gonna are you gonna run the company to the ground doing it? Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> Maybe by the next time we do a radio show, we'll, we'll be have it, we'll have a different answer. It'll I don't be a know. totally. Speaking of uh, which, we need to go into our last break. So we when we come back from the break, you can tell us about that. <laughs> all right. Hopefully, or, I'll still be here. Hopefully, you'll still be here. Yeah, yeah. at the end of the break. All right, guys. <clears throat> We're going into our last final, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw out there our best segment. 
with Mark Canlis this go-round. Make sure that you plug back in to listen again to this program at excellentcultures.com. And then, uh, obviously, you're listening on Clay 1180 AM if you're local. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies. It's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500 or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. listeners you're back listening to biz culture matters on clay 1180 uh am and excellent this has already been one of my most favorite shows that we've had in a long time with uh one of my most favorite guests who i've known for a week but obviously uh we have kindred spirits and we're supposed to be blood brothers so uh i don't we're I'm also just, movie stars together yes <laughs> we've been together, right? we've yeah. been, we've, we've <laughs> been on anthony bourdain's show without ever meeting him because he doesn't do that um Steve, do you want to go into coaching hat questions with uh, Mark yet? Well, I we've only got ten minutes. Well, there's too many good things to ask, and we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get okay. there. But right. what, what I away. wanted to uh, get to, Mark, was um, uh, I think we've we've figured out that a mission statement is more than just words. That if if you want it to be effective, that it needs to be known and it needs to be lived. And that values are more than just words on a website or a piece of paper. And if they're just on the website or the piece of paper, you're wasting your time even having them. Sure. And you, you've displayed that and shared that, you know, beyond, I think, what you could really say with words and describe to anybody or even prove with science, which has been. Yeah. But um, to me, the key is in, you know, as within everything else, it's in the operationalizing, you know, the doing, the making it happen, right. The, right. the results. And um, I know that you've got a lot of, of strategies, for lack of a better better word, in, in terms of how you hire, how you lead, how you manage, how you coach, how you encourage your people. And I wanted to, wanted to see if you could just start with where you began earlier in that it's about who you're becoming philosophy, for lack of a better way to describe it, and how you weave that not just through the organizational side of the business – but into your hiring practices, your coaching practices, your leading. Sure. Uh, tell our listeners about that because this is, this is huge, folks. Well, so again, so a lot of people, um, particularly when we're hiring, will want to put candles on their resume. So if you were becoming a chef or a sommelier or, I don't know, a manager or something, um, it's, it's, uh, it could be beneficial to have us. And so you're sitting down in an interview with someone, and um, what most interviews concentrate on is sort of, 
um, your qualification for the position, right? Like, oh, tell me what you've done in the past. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the job that you're, um, that you're applying for, and let's see if that's a good fit. And we just, we just I mean, that is, that is important, right? If I was, if I was hiring a, um, a cook in the kitchen, I would want to know uh, what other kitchens that they've worked in. I would want to know that they have some experience. But essentially, I'm assuming that if you're applying for the position here, you can cook. Because if you can't, that's going to find itself out in like the next right. 12 hours, right? And then at the end of the shift, everyone's going to look at you and they're going to say, you should go home because you can't cook, right? So, so I don't really feel like we need to spend time with that in the interview. Um, the goal of the interview to me is to understand uh, where we as a company, uh, what role we as a company are going to play in this particular person's life in the coming year, five years, or 10 years, or 15 years. That, to me, is a much more important question because someone who is becoming who they hope to become while they're doing what they do for a living is um, an incredible employee, and, and they have fantastic morale, and uh, you start to build a culture inside of your company that has its own uh, heat source. It literally just sort of like ignites all by itself, right? People who um, are waiting to become what they want to become, and while they're doing something else, uh, the exact opposite happens. So um, if I was interviewing someone and they were actually able to, um, to fool me, they were actually able to say, hey, look, you know, what I really want is, is, is the values. You know, I've read your website, and you know, I'm just going to recite it to you in this interview. And really the person was lying to me. Um, well, then they've, they've tricked me. And if I'm about to have a relationship with the employee, right, um, and trust is the most important thing, they're essentially... They're essentially using me, the employer, and that's a, that's a bad relationship. And the inverse is true. If I knew that a server who wanted a job wasn't going to be, it wasn't, wasn't going to want what we offered here, so those values, trustworthy, generous, and other-centered, I knew that just wasn't up their alley. And yet I really liked the server because, frankly, they had a lot of experience. I knew they'd be good for me. And I convinced the server to work for us. I'm essentially manipulating and using the server. Right? I'm essentially saying, yeah. hey, look, I don't care who you're becoming or, or what's going to happen when, when I'm done with you, but I'm going to have you work here, and I'm just going to use you up for as long as I can have you before you finally realize that the person that you want to become is someone else. Well, what a dirty deed to play on someone, right? It's a, it, again, it's a, it's the, the first step of bringing on an employee is, is one of manipulation and, um, and using somebody. So. That's why we're, we're really looking at this, this question carefully, how we're working at Canlis to help you become who it is that you're trying to become. I just think it, it starts to get to the heart of a lot of issues, and all of the other things, they sell themselves out pretty quickly. So well said. So well said. So if people are working for you in a process of becoming who they want to become, and it fits with who you are and who you want to become, is what I hear you saying that that's the perfect match? That's the perfect match. We've got this. My brother uh, used to live in Scotland for, for 12 years, and so as brothers, we would, my older brother did, and so my younger brother and I would go and visit him. And on one of these trips, we brought back a, a barrel of Springbank whiskey, single malt scotch. It's a 21-year-old Springbank, pretty, pretty rare thing, and it sits in our cellar. We weren't sure what to do with it. We wanted to age it here. And well, I'll stop by and I'll uh, order a yeah, dinner. Please, can... yeah, yeah, just I'm looking for anyone who wants to drink it. I just want to put that out on the radio right now. Uh, but, I'll, but I'll tell you how you – actually, I'll tell you how you drink this thing. So what we've been doing with the staff is that – because they all want to taste it – is that if you would like to taste it, you can come down to this barrel in our cellar, and you can share one way you hope to grow in the coming year. Mm. And that's kind of a weird question, but it's said another way. If I said to the two of you – you know, you are not going to change in the next 360 days. A year from today, you'll be the exact same person you are today. You'd probably feel a little sadness, a little yeah, remorse, yeah. a little loss of hope. Yeah. And we say the same thing to them, right? And it's like, well, okay, well, where is that sadness coming from? That loss of hope, what were you hoping for? And you will stand there down that barrel in the freezing cellar, and, these, and we will just share. And people will just say, this is, this is what I was hoping for. I was hoping in the next 12 months that this would happen or that I would become this kind of a person, right? And we'll drink to that. It's fabulous. We raise our glass to that. And literally the toast that we use in the restaurant is babushka, which comes from a Christmas, the Russian Christmas story about an old woman that has the courage to change herself. And so to me, 
if I can get, if I can, if I'm sitting in an interview and I can envision that person down there around the whiskey barrel sharing, I know they're going to be an awesome employee. It doesn't always work, but, uh, but man, um, a great vast majority uh, percentage of the time, um, you just end up with, with phenomenal people. And we all know that, that your people, um, you know, are your most important asset. So to me, at the, in that very beginning phase, it's just so critically important to talk about the real issues. And, uh, and you need a staff that's very self-aware to do that. Right. Um, and you need interviewers that are very self-aware to do that. And you need employees coming in the door who, who get it. And a lot of employees look at you as just a big deer in the headlights, you know, prospective guys. And those are the ones we just sort of kindly show to the door and, and wait for the next interview to come in. So well, if, if people, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're, if listeners, if you, if, if you haven't clued into the tie in here, like Mark, I think the beautiful tie in of, of who are you becoming being a leading question in how you interview people that are working with the canless team. I mean, you, you spent the first half of the show sharing with us and telling beautiful stories of how we serve our customer and hospitality. But leading with the question of who are you becoming also lets your maybe soon-to-be employee know, we're not just here for you to serve us. How can we right. serve you? Right. Like, it's it's a starting question with we, we're interested in how we can serve you, not just you serving yeah, us. A, a company who's not interested ought to just come out and have the guts to say it on their website. Please yeah. work here, but we don't care who you're becoming. Right. And I promise you there are companies nearby to me who all believe that. You know, They might not say it publicly, but I think all of us have felt that or been in a job in the past where it was like, man, all they care about is that I produce this widget, yep. but I myself don't matter. And I think, I don't know, maybe that worked in the 20s, and, and, and uh, <laughs> but I think we're kind of moving out of that phase uh, right. more and more and um it, it behooves us as leaders and as strategists to run companies to figure out ways to really to get the best out of their people and to get the the best widget out of a person you better pay attention to who that person is and right. what matters to them so it just happens that we're in the service business so we also do that to the guest all the time so so we get to practice it on both ends but i think right. it i think it is applicable to a, I, I would think it's applicable to a lot of companies outside of the restaurant business one minute, Steve, 60 seconds. Well, we're having Mark back in the next show. He's going to talk to us about his st- strategies for getting past the derailers, the obstacles that get in the way of building a great culture like this. He's going to give us insights on what else he does to engage his employees and his workforce in a meaningful way to go after that mission of proving that it's worth putting other people first. And then we're going to ask him to put his coaching hat on to, you know, give leaders some tips on how that they can accomplish uh, what Mark had to become a special forces air force guy jumping out of helicopters in the jungle to catch drug lords to do mission and values. Go back and listen to the show and look mission for the cat, the key distinction that uh, that Mark made here on Mission and Values. You've been listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. Email us right now. Ask the experts at ExcellentCultures.com. Talk to you next week. Adios. Thank you.